Welcome to Casting Nets. I am one of your hosts, Pastor Dave Rudot. I am joined, now that I've unmuted him, I'm joined with Pastor Will Harley. Um, how are you doing this morning, sir? I'm good. I'm good. I'm ready to talk a little bit about James and, and make our way through the book of James. But I think we need a disclaimer because we are going to be talking about tongue. Yes, and <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to talk too much about tongue because that could be taken in a direction we don't want to go. We could be exactly. talking about using the tongue too much and that also, also might also be. take us in a direction we don't want to go we're also going to be talking about wisdom of which we've already demonstrated we don't have enough of so we'll be talking about wisdom and tongue today in james chapter three and so before we do so yes we do need a disclaimer absolutely so the disclaimer is uh these are just two pastors who are uh, giving their thoughts as we approach the text and the workings of our Lord. And so uh, beginning of a conversation, there's going to be times we may misspeak. There'll be times that we will say things that probably maybe be offensive or we'll, we'll try not to be, but could be taken in a, in a different way than what we intend. Uh, so please um, listen with a lot of forgiveness. Also, uh, remember beginning of the conversation, come to us, talk with us. You can reach us here at our local congregations, myself, St. John's Maribel, uh, for you, dear Dave, um, they can come and see you at Emmanuel and Shirley. Um, and if you'd like to reach out and talk with us through our podcast, um, you can email us at castingnetspod at gmail.com. You can also get us on our Facebook page. You're probably watching on Facebook, so you can just leave a comment or send a message through there and we'll be more than happy to answer you back. Again, this is the beginning of a conversation. Um, if you like what you hear, you got to pound the like button because the more likes we get and the higher we get in the standings as when people are looking for these topics, also the bigger my head will get. And so I will then be able to be kind of in the same realm and, and, and just ultimate glory as Pastor Rudon. I, I will be able to, I will be able to compete on the same realm, in the same vein. What do you think? Sure, you did great. Um, can't wait great. to talk about Genesis, James chapter 3, verses 1 to 8. That was your five stars for the day, Will Harley. That was. Um, I, I, you should was, treat that as five stars. So our listeners, maybe you can think of you know doing the, the ratings just for the other people that are listening because they also are listening to this and going, I'm really glad to have be in this community together as we're studying God's word together. Let's let's put a five star for the community, not for Pastor Rudot's head, and yet maybe for Will Harley's head, but for this community that's uh, that's joined here that is made up of members of our congregations and also our members abroad. And and before we we jump on into the intro music, I think it needs to be said that this broadcast is brought to you by Good Coffee. Uh, wherever good coffee is sold, that is who is putting on this show. So if you have good coffee, sit down and uh, take a sip and listen and enjoy as we continue on the study of the book of James.
We are back, ready to study chapter three in the book of James, right? Uh, EHV uh, gives us control your tongue and wisdom from above are the two headings in chapter three. So we are, we're ready. We are reading from the Evangelical Heritage Version Bible. You can look, see it on the screen or um, open up your Bibles at home. So here we go. Uh, let's read. Shall we look at the whole chapter, read the whole chapter, or just... Oh, let's, let's one to go 12, one, through, 12. one to 12, yeah. That sounds good. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. To be sure, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says... He is a fully mature man, able to bridle his whole body as well. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they will obey us, we also guide the whole animal. And consider ships, although they are very big and are driven by fierce winds, yet they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, yet it also boasts great things. Consider how a little flame can set a large forest on fire, and the tongue is a fire. It is set among the set parts of our body as a world of unrighteousness that stains the whole body, sets the whole course of life on fire, and is set on fire by hell. Indeed, every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and sea creature is being tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no one is able to tame the human tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers, these things should not be this way. A spring does not pour out both fresh and bitter water from the same opening, does it? Can a fig tree bear olives, my brothers, or can a grapevine produce figs? A salt spring cannot produce fresh water either. There you go. We have uh, um, probably just to, to, to backtrack where we're going Remember, this is um, in many ways James is is giving us a sermon, and so he's he's building off his topics. Um, his very first topic coming out of the gate is is what is living faith? How is this? Uh, how is faith active in your life? And then he goes from uh, the activity of faith to to an area where faith and our speech intersect. Um, and and where faith and speech intersect is in the ability to speak language and to share and to open up your your um, heart and your mind to inform someone else. And so he comes straight out after after talking about an act of faith. He comes straight out and he says, "All right, now let's talk about teachers, people who think themselves capable of sharing what is in them with someone else." And, and so he starts off with with this idea of teaching. It's pretty cool. And the high calling of teachers, yeah, that they have that high responsibility to make sure that what they're speaking to God's people, which is oftentimes, we we give that disclaimer every time we uh, begin our podcast, but it's always this, underst- we are also reminding ourselves, we're not giving ourselves a permission to uh, say whatever is on our mind, but we're also reminding ourselves, this is the high calling that you are, we, that we are doing as pastors uh, to speech God's word to his people and we don't want you to be offended we don't want to lead you astray so if you that's why we're encouraging you to engage in conversation with us well and and here's the here's here's the beauty of that very opening paragraph right um so i mean really it's one through ver- the first two verses of chapter three 
um, what he's 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 saying is that just because you have the ability to speak or just because you have an idea in your head does not make you a teacher. Um, teachers are not are not people who just share what is in their own head. They are sharing truths that surpass what it is that that maybe be in our heart at the time or our minds at the time. And not everyone is equipped to do that. I mean, and, and being in the ministry, you and I both know that there are times that we may feel a certain way. We may have gotten upset. We may have um, been pushed to the brink um, because of the job or, or the things that are surrounding and we're just very, very stressed. And we walk into a situation knowing that I'm going to have to watch myself. I cannot say what what is maybe first and foremost on my mind around my heart because I am called to share something else that is greater. And and this is one of the and I had used this uh, when I taught this. I had I had used this um, sort of as a springboard to bounce back into what's going on in our in our society today, where you have all of these teachers walking the classrooms, pushing ahead agendas that these teachers. And, and I'm not saying we have to go in to talk about their agendas. I'm just saying they're walking into the classrooms, pushing their agendas, thinking these are the things that that I need to tell my kids. And it's not because the, the calling of a teacher is not to tell them what you want or think they should know. It's to tell them and to share with them what they need to know. And what is it that they need to know? Ultimately, they need to know who their savior is. Ultimately, they need to know who, who Christ is and what he has done for them. But in, in a general sense, they need to know how to read. They need to know how to write. They need to know how to do uh, arithmetic. Um, they don't need to know what color flag is going to fly uh, in the hallway. They don't need to know uh, what you do when you get home after the end of school. They don't. They don't need to know any of those things. Um, and so, there is there is a, like you said, a high calling to this role uh, as a teacher, as someone who is given the gifts to lead someone else. It sounds like you are talking both about the vocation of a pastor and a vocation as a teacher, and uh, it is also a reminder to us as we're thinking about what happens in our public schools, and you say they should be only talking about reading, writing, and arithmetic, is the idea that uh, kids are learning their morals from somewhere, and for every parent to consider, okay, you can't just um, send your kid to a public school and think this is going to be a blank slate that they aren't going to learn any morals there. And it's an encouragement for all parents, including myself, as we consider uh, sending kids to schools, where where do we send them? With the realization that it doesn't matter where you send them to a certain extent, there's always going to be this sinful nature. You're always going to have kids and their tongues and what they're saying aren't always going to be the truth. Even, um, and dare I even say it, even teachers uh, saying things that aren't gospel-centered or Christ-centered in a Christian day school, um, it's a, a reminder to all of us, at parents, pastors, teachers, what comes out of our mouth is something is something that needs to be checked by the faith that we have. Well, and and that's where it bleeds, right? It, and that's why he has it in this section. He comes from the talking about what does it look like to live actively in your faith in in what God has given, and then he says, here is the the greatest example of it. Not not everyone is able to be a teacher. Not everyone is able to, and I love how he says, a person who is mature is able to bridle their tongue, right? They're able to bridle their and control their entire body. Um, there, there is something to be said that that a person should not be quick to anger. A person should not be quick to 
to spout off um, with what they're feeling. Um, a person is not easily swayed by their own emotions and by their own desires. Um, that a person in faith, especially in faith, um, has been with Christ's help given the strength to control themselves. There is a there is a gift of the spirit that we kind of downplay, and the gift of the spirit is self control. <laughs> Um, and, and we think about that and we're like, well, everybody should have that, but they don't, that that is a gift of the spirit that you have self-control that can be learned. It's a, a gift that can be learned through the working of the means of grace. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm not saying it can't be learned, but it's not that something that everyone has. Correct. Yeah. And which is what James is saying is, is this is a danger for you. You think that because you are a Christian, that this somehow gives you liberty to say whatever is on your mind because you're saved because you have Christ, because you believe in Jesus as your Savior. And he's a reminder, reminding us that uh, with a tongue, which is such a small thing, uh, speaking words into the universe seems like such a innocuous thing, but actually it does great damage, just like a ship is steered by a small rudder or um, a fire is started with a spark. What we speak into existence um, can be in a positive way, affect people in a very positive way, but then also the negative way as well. Well, and, and yes. And I think there's, there's the, the idea that he's not saying that a person who is called to this is perfect. We're not, he's saying they're going to stumble, but I like where you're going speaking words into creation. Um, and, and there's something that, that, that we've talked about before off the air, of course. Um, and I think we've maybe even talked about it on the air at, at certain points, but the idea that God gives to mankind the opportunity to be procreators, so create with him into creation. And, and yes, you can take that in the idea of, of we multiply, right? We get married, we have children, we are procreating in that way in a very physical sense. Um, but, but also just as our Lord in, in the, in the very beginning spoke into nothing and something was then there as he created through word, through the word, he gives us that little bit of, of, uh, limited ability within ourselves with speech that we speak and the words that we speak create things in even temporary things, they create things into the world. And, and that wildfire, right? The, the, what, what did you create? Your words created a, a fire. Your, your words created something that can hurt or harm. Your words have created something in someone else that now will carry on to someone else, to something else, and, and continue to find its way down the road. And, and so the, the idea of being careful and, and to plan out our speech, the, the idea of knowing when to hold our tongue and what words to say and what words not to say. I, I, I don't think we give that credence like we should today. I, I think everybody today feels as if it's, it's my mouth, it's my body, it's my choice, it's my, my expression, it's my actual self. I have the right to say what, I, and we use like, we use the first amendment, right? To, to give us this idea that we can say whatever we want and we can do whatever we want and no one has the right to tell me no. Maybe, maybe we should take a step back of uh, from trying to say, well, my rights, my rights, my rights, and take a step back and say, is it right? 
is what I'm going to say, is is what I'm going to put out there on social media, what I'm going to put out there in a classroom, what I'm going to put out there with my friends, what I'm going to put out there with my children, is that right? Should I stop and, and rethink this? Because what fire am I going to start? What what How is that going to carry on? Um, and even something that you might say in the pulpit too. I mean, we misspeak in the pulpit too. We do. I, I, at least some of us do speak in the pulpit. I know I do. I mean, I I, you might speak in the chancel, but I speak from the pulpit. That's true. That's true. That is very, you know, you're right. That is, you're entirely correct. (laughs) Then just think, if the government ever came in to take my pulpit away. You'd be like, fine. (laughs) No, I, but but, I mean, just to to give like an example, you know, just yesterday in in the Lent service, and, and it just happens because you're in the middle of the moment and you're preaching God's word. And, and I had asked for some some invitation as to, you know, raising your hands. Um, I, I preached on um, Jesus coming um, and, and Greeks coming to meet some Greeks coming to meet with Jesus. And they had said, we would, we want to meet, we want to see Jesus. And then I, and I just said, you know, raise your hand. How many people came to church today wanting to see Jesus? And like, no one raised their hand. And I said, okay, we're going to try this again. And I, I said, everybody, I, I said, this is a class participation moment. <laughs> and so, and so they, I asked the question again and everybody raised their hands. And then I said, and probably wasn't the best place and it wasn't part of the sermon. It wasn't written in my sermon. I said, see, and everyone thought you couldn't teach an old dog new tricks. <laughs> that could have been taken <laughs> in a bad way. Um, it, 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 it wasn't intended in a bad way. Um, it was more intended than, you know, you sit in a church who their policies, we never participate. You talk, we listen. And and so, no, we can learn something new. We can learn to be engaging in God's word together. Um, but it could easily have been taken in the wrong way, too. And we have to be careful of what words we say. Um, that's the point. That was just a long story for a very simple point that could have been made by just saying, hey, watch what you say. And not only what you say out loud in front of other people, but what you say online uh, with the words that you type uh, and the things that you post and things that you share. Sometimes we are, we need to take us, and I'm speaking for myself too, like if I'm sharing something on Facebook, why am I sharing this? Am I sharing this because it makes me feel good? Or am I sharing this because there's some actual some benefit for it? And even when I'm sharing pictures of my own children and their accomplishments or, hey, my child did this well, or, or like I mentioned in the pre-show, my children and my, um, my wife going to Martin Luther College for their taste of ministry this week, why are we doing that? And uh, um, a consideration not just for the things that make us feel good, like if we're sharing a political post that makes us makes us feel good, our side feel good, because, oh, look at what my side did and look how stupid the other side is. Um, why, why, what is the actual goal? Is this actually accomplishing what you think it accomplishes? You think you're persuading the other side, but really you're not. You're just making your side feel better or yourself feel better. So it's a, it's a thought-provoking. James is, is challenging us in the things that come out of us, whether it is our words, whether it is what are the thoughts that we present out in the Internet uh, in in the social media world, what what are we bringing into this world that is, is building others up? So I have a question for you. On on in, as James is talking about this, it seems as if James is uh, 
less saying you're doing this and you should do that and more is saying this is the reality. So I guess my question is, is, is James acknowledging the sinful nature that from this tongue, from your mouth, there's, there, you're, you're going to bless your Lord, which is good, but you're going to curse your neighbor, which is bad. Is he more acknowledging the point of it and saying, this is just what it is. This is, this is, this is the law as a mirror. Or is he saying, or, or is this saying, clean up your act? I guess that's my question. Is it, which one is it? It all depends on how you're taking the letter, isn't it? If you're taking it as a sermon, you would say this would be a convicting of sin because he wants to share Jesus with them. If it is a letter of, this is a principle, this is how we, how a Christian, these are principles that you should know, these teaching, in other words, then you would probably take it in that way. So it all depends on how you treat the genre or genre of this letter. So in your opinion, how would you approach it? So the, if I'm understanding you correctly, you're saying, is is he convicting us of sin or is he just acknowledging, making a statement that there is a, a sinful nature inside of us? He, yeah, is he, standing, is he standing us in front of God's law and saying, here's the mirror, here's where God wants us to be, here's where you are? That's, I mean, that's, God's law does that. Or is he saying, stop what you're doing and do something different. Isn't, doesn't verse 10 then answer that question? Brothers, these things should not be this way. But that could be an acknowledgement of, here's you're before the perfect law, here's the mirror, right? They shouldn't be this way, but they are. That, that's my question, because I think sometimes we approach this and we, look at the, we can look at the text and we can say, well, he's, he's, he's railing on the people. But how can, it, how can it be different? I can't do anything different. And, and, and there's truth to that. I'm a sinner. And because I'm a sinner, I'm going to say things that are not going to be great all the time. Um, there is a reality to that, whether I, I, whether I acknowledge it's good or not. I mean, my, I lose my cool. I lose my temper. You lose your cool. You lose your temper. We say things we shouldn't say in places we shouldn't have said them. Am I condemned? Or, or is this, he's saying, yeah, this is the struggle. This, this, is, this is the struggle that we're having, um, and, and we, we need help. I'm going to say it's, it's both because the, I, I just see a real danger in saying, well, this is just a, a principle. Of, this is a, um, a, the reality of life that we have a sinful nature and a, and, a, and, a, and a new person inside of us. If we just say that's a principle and not, use, and not convict us, not make that into me, this is me too then that's a real danger. And it's also a real danger for us to say it's only a proclamation of law because then you could say, well, he's only talking to his original audience. He's never talking to us. We're different now. So it, I, I think it has to have a flavor of both unless I'm misunderstanding your your question to begin with. No, I I, I, I see where you're going, that it has the flavor of both. The, the, I think the challenge that comes with it is, is that um, – when he condemns, he doesn't lift back up. And that's the, that's the side that you're like, Ugh. Um, if this is, if he's preaching this in the condemning force and he's saying, okay, this is, this is the reality. This is where you guys are. You need a lot of help. He doesn't offer the help. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm not saying there's, there's no Christ in here at all. That comes further on in, in the book, um, in his message, but it, it, 
you almost want the balm right away, right? And and you're not getting the balm right away. And so I'm wondering if he's just stating a fact. And that that's that that's like and this is where this is and and I I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying. I can see both sides. I'm just I kind of look at him like, okay, is he going down the list and saying, okay, here's where God wants us to be, and and here's the reality of where you are. Isn't that the reality of all scriptures that we want the bomb right away, and scripture doesn't always give it to us right away? Because <laughs> it's like we read one verse and we're like, oh, yeah, I need Jesus. You read anything of Paul and you're like, oh, you know, I need. <laughs> I want Jesus now. And, and what a wonder, wonderful place when we read the scriptures, even one verse, and then we're like, give me more Jesus because uh, this is convicting me of my sin and my sinful nature. Yeah, uh, that was my only question. I, I mean, it's just I, it, just the profound statement that that from the same mouth comes these these things. Oh, how, what, a, what a horrible thing. Um, it, yeah. My last comment on these um on these statements was is the accountability uh last night i'm preaching on a different series for lent and it's talking about it was a responsibility of uh pilot um not wanting not taking responsibility for his actions and jesus taking responsibility for actions that are not his own um he is, jesus is accused of being a sinner being someone worthy of death and he says well i'm going to um take accountability and take responsibility for the sins of the world on myself and for us. And Pilate is, you know, one of those people that tries to wash his hands off and says, well, it's not my responsibility. It's not us. And then the people saying, you know, let his blood be on us and on our children still. Um, and it, behind that is not a, Oh, that's okay that we're putting someone to death, but no, it's, uh, we're doing something right. We're doing something good. This is not our doing this is we're acting on behalf of God here. Um, and we're willing to do. We're willing to acknowledge that this is the the righteousness of what God demands is that we would um, put this um, person to death. So there was a whole lot of people shirking responsibility, but yet Jesus takes responsibility for us. And uh, I, I forget where I was going with that, but just uh, James uh, saying, "You are speaking this way, or you, your tongue has both of these things coming in and out of it. Uh, it's not somebody else's fault." It's not, you made me do this. It is your tongue, your uh, own personal responsibility, your own struggle um, to wrestle with your own sinful nature and the new person that God has created inside of you. Well, and I, I, that is, um, I think there's something there to talk about in the sense that we like to live in a world where we can blame someone else for the actions that we make and the comments that we make. Um, and, I've said this to my wife numerous times because she'll say, my son has made her angry. And I said, no one makes you angry. I said, you are angered because of something, but no one made you angry. And I, and I think that's, that's kind of where we take responsibility. You know, it, th those words came into my ears and, and I had the reaction if they could have been innocuous words, they could, maybe they were intended to try to spur on a response. But the reason that, and the only way that it did spur on a response was because of the way that you received them. It was, it was in you that they, they made that response. Right. Um, and you could have just not said anything. 
you 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 could I mean that's but but then here is the yeah, opposite. That's a struggle whether you're a child yeah. and uh, yeah. taking responsibility for your actions or whether you're um elderly, you're um eighty years old, you still can struggle with accountability. And but here's the thing. In life, sometimes taking accountability for your actions, or even in life, keeping your mouth shut so that or, or not doing something that you feel you want to do is the hardest thing. Have you noticed that? Like, like sometimes it's like these people who stand up and they just spout off whatever is in their heart, and you're like, oh, that was so hard. That was, oh, and everyone praises them. That must have been so difficult for you. Actually, it's not that difficult to to just lash out irrationally. <laughs> it, it, it really isn't. It's not that difficult to do that. It's more difficult to 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 keep that to yourself and say, I'm I'm not going to do that because this is the inappropriate time to do that. And this is not a good space. And this is I can't control what would come out. It it takes more strength to do that. And I just come back to Philippians uh, chapter four. And I, you know, I can do all things through. Christ who strengthens me. I, I can't I can't keep that shut up inside of me because my sinful nature is like, yes, let's get this out here. Um I, I can't do that without Christ. Uh, that I guess that's where where the responsibility comes from. Um I can take responsibility because Christ gives me the strength to hold it. Um gives me the strength to stand up underneath it. So anything else on the tongue? Anything on the tip of your tongue, Will Harley? No, I'm, I'm, we got, I, I think that was a pretty, pretty decent one talking about uh, controlling what you say. Talked about teachers, got that off, off the top of my head, which is, you know, we got to have something that has relevance today. And that, that was very relevant. So you and, talked about social media, which brings up, you know, that's that whole thing. Aren't we going to debunk AI at some point? We are. Yeah, I think that's next. That's next. We're going to have a thing about debunking AI. So after Lent and Easter and Holy Week and confirmation and all these other responsibilities that are good responsibilities to have. They are good responsibilities to have. And it gives us a time to thoroughly think about things. Absolutely. So that we're not spouting things off, off the tip of our tongues. Mm-hmm. So very good. <clears throat> all right. Let's go to wisdom from above. Not my wisdom. Not Will Harley's wisdom. Wisdom from above. Verse 13. Who among, oh, here we go. Who among you is wise and intelligent? Let him by his good way of living show that he does things in wise humility. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast and lie contrary to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it is worldly, unspiritual, and demonic. In fact, there is where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder in every bad practice. But the wisdom that comes from above is first pure, then also peaceful, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who practice peace. Wisdom. Let's f- talk about what is wisdom, Will Harley. Well, <clears throat> yeah, uh, he comes right out of the gate and he separates wisdom from intelligence, doesn't he? 
Um, I mean, so so right out of the gate, he <laughs> and and then also he's going he's going to say there's a different type of wisdom. So so there is a there's a realm of intelligence, a realm of wisdom that that we would say reside within the physical things, reside within the world. And then there is a wisdom and there is an intelligence that only comes from one who gives it, one who supplies it, and and you then receive that. Now we have to be really careful that we don't want to say, okay, we're we're going back to Gnosticism and we're saying, oh, there's this internal knowledge that we can find out, or or going to um, even some of the Near Eastern religions where where if you you know continue to meditate on a certain word or you you bend yourself in certain ways, all of a sudden you're going to be gaining this insight and this and and whatever. We're we're not talking about that. What we're talking about is there's a difference between the way the world thinks and the way that they act within the way that they think and gain intellect and the way that a Christian, someone who receives the words and the instruction of the Lord and how they react and how, how they think. So I, I would say there's these, the, the, the two that are brought up is there is a, there's a, an earthly wisdom and an earthly intellect. And then there is a godly wisdom and a godly intellect. And and they are not the same thing, and they don't work in the same way. And now he has brought out the books. I have because I figured if we're talking about intelligence, I have to you know pretend to be intelligent by having a background of books behind me. <laughs> I do like uh, the idea. Whenever uh, I teach members, you know, whenever the Bible speaks about wisdom, yeah, it's ultimately talking about Christ. But wisdom is always knowledge applied. What do we know about God's word? applying it to uh, that situation which is it follows the thread of why is he talking move from tongues to wisdom because tongue using our tongues is taking information um, that we know or emotions going on in our heads or in our hearts and uh, having a filter on them before it actually comes out and so we're applying what we know to something that's that's going on same thing is true with our um intellect and our knowledge has to be filtered in some way well and and here's interesting you know there is and and it it not only does it have to be filtered but but he he kind of is bringing this in here and he's saying the 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 intelligence the knowledge that you are receiving from secular things is has its limits right um and 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 so what we think is knowledge in the world, where's that gotten us? Where, where has it led us? Where, what have we received from it? Um, and, and then how we've applied, we, we, when you take that knowledge that you've gathered only through the physical things that you can see, only through what, what you have filtered through the world that you've experienced without Christ, that interprets itself into how you live that knowledge, which is wisdom, right? So, so if you are, if you're approaching life and 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 you're only basing it off your experience of what you have have seen and and what have you seen you've seen those people who lie cheat and steal get ahead and and you 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 start learning that if i can be a fast talker i can get what i want if i if i'm an abuser i can i can get away with with getting my desires over someone else if if i am a person who um you fill in the blank whatever whatever is is what you're modeling and you're seeing from your model. That's the intellect that you're bringing in, right? That's the knowledge that you keep bringing into yourself. How is that? Then, then when it turns around and you're living it in the world, 
what are you becoming? What's the wisdom that you that you're taking back into the world? And that is that's really what James is talking about. Is if if you're taking in what you think you're perceiving in the world, if you're taking in what what is your experience in the world, and you're saying this is where my knowledge comes from, and this is where my wisdom now is going to bleed from, it's wrong. And and in fact, he 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 has the progression of how wrong it is. Right? It gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. I mean, it starts off um, just as a bitter envy, right? Because that's what the world is. If I, if I can't get what I want, then, then I can be envious of it, right? Uh, it goes from there to selfish ambition. I have the right, because I've seen other people do it, I have the right now, it's wise, that I pursue selfishly only what I have. Um, I have to file for divorce, because I want to learn and my spouse doesn't want to learn anymore and they're content at where they are in life. And so we're totally different paths and, and I, have to, I have to throw them to the side because they don't want to, won't, won't walk with me and on these things. Um, that, that, that drive for selfish ambition, the drive of, I need to do this for myself over and above my family, over and above what is right and good for the community. Um, well, everyone else does it. It must be okay. It goes from there to to boasts, right? Um, it goes to lying. It goes to things that are contrary to what is true and good. Um, and then finally, he sums it up um, as worldly, unspiritual, and demonic. And I think that's the the tombstone on on this physical on the on the wisdom of the world. Yeah, yeah. the wisdom of the world and on the intellect of the world. It's it's demonic. <laughs> I did devil. <laughs> I was when you mentioned community. I was thinking of my mind. This is where my mind went. And if you permit me this tangent, I was thinking in terms of like our church body. Like what are what is the function of our pastors? Are they meant to be superstars? And I'm even thinking of myself. Like why are we doing this broadcast? And we're posting it on Wells discussion Facebook groups, and we're we're trying to make this into something that people can use, but it's never meant to drive people to Will Harley or to Dave Rudot or to our churches. It's meant to be, let's be in the word. But how easy is it for um, ministers of the gospel, teachers of the gospel to get infatuated with the attention that we get um, by speaking God's word? And we try to make things about ourselves and driving people to ourself. And verse 16, whether it's a, a, a principle of, of the thing or whether it's convicting me in my heart, but just this, where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder in every bad practice. So it's a, a proclamation, a promise, that if you are seeking things for your own benefit and not for the good of the whole and not for the good of the, the gospel that you are um, uh, sworn to uphold, this is what's going to happen disorder oh. in every bad practice. And 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 just to add to that, um there are broadcasts that are out there that will not be named. Um that purpose and it, I've sat in their groups where they've where they've led groups to help other people gain followers and things like that on on their social media pages and doing stuff like this where they've said, "Well, we have downplayed or we have we ha- we don't mention sin. We we, we never mention sin." We'll say bad choices or we'll say um, mistakes or we'll say, you know, they don't mention, they, they don't mention sin. It's, it, it's, it, 
they kind of back off from the full force of of calling something what it truly is because they know that by calling it what it truly is there's going to be some backlash in the community right the, the this thing that they're trying to form people are going to take great offense to and they 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 won't go that far i yeah, think that's and, what and, you're saying well it's part of what i'm saying i right. think it's a danger for every every church to think well we want um we want to draw people into our institution rather than proclaim the gospel into the world. So we're thinking, let's let's try to bring this these people in. Oh, let's not talk about this concept or this doctrine because that'll that'll be too off putting. They won't come into our church. I'm, I I had a, uh, a visit with a family uh, this week, and that was like right in that was the temptation. Like, oh, Dave, don't talk about this. <laughs> don't talk about that because then they won't come into your church. And then you fought that and said, no, this is what God's word says. Um, and and speak to them what God's word says, and let the chips fall where they may. And right. uh, I think that's a. So James isn't is 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 not just in in cert, a certain way as a warning, but it is also an encouragement. Uh, do the true wisdom that comes from above. That is only again by a gift by the Holy Spirit. How is it that anybody can be um, peace loving, impartial, full of mercy, sincere, gentle? Um, how is that possible unless you are in the word of God and the means of grace and receiving Jesus Christ in word and sacrament? How is it possible that that we can at all be gentle and uh, uh, patient with somebody else because we are, it's not about us, it's not about our institution, it's not about our own personalities, it's not about getting likes or validations, even though we do talk about getting likes and validations, we are still continuing to crucify that part of us that says, ooh, I really like the likes. Ooh, I really like the validations. Um, well, how can I get more of those validations? How can I get more of those likes? And it's a constant crucifying of our, our sinful nature that wants uh, to draw people not to Christ, but to ourselves. Well, and and I think that's, again, it comes back down to, you know, who's greater? Is it us or is it God? Is it, is it Christ Jesus? Um, and maybe we would take a playbook out of John the Baptist and say, I must become lesser that he may become greater. Um, and, and to always remember, to remember that, or to remember what um, some Greeks uh, had said, we need, we would like to see Jesus. <laughs> uh, we're not here to see me. We're here to see who Jesus truly is um, as the crucified Lord uh, who has risen from the dead and conquered sin, death, and the power of the grave for us. I, I, I also think that a part of this comes in is, the the wisdom of the world, and it's interesting how how James brings this up, and it's just one simple word because I, I expected the pure, I expected the peaceful, I expected the gentle, I expected the full of mercy, the the good fruits, I, I expected the impartial and sincere. The the one that you don't necessarily inspect, uh, uh, don't necessarily uh, ex uh, expect, is reasonable. <laughs> but yet, how how awesome is it that that's true? That that Christians are reasonable people, that that people who gather around the means of grace by and large are reasonable people. Like you can talk with them, <laughs> and 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 they're they 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 listen, and and they they maybe it comes from um, the law giving back uh, given back to us in its third use as a guide that says you know I'm going to put the best construction on everything. Um, because that is good and, and God pleasing. Um, so I'm not going to take easy offense to to the way that people are interacting with me. Um, 
And so I can be reasonable in this nature and I can apply the grace of God and I can apply the mercy of forgiving men, many sins and setting the, the clock back to zero so that uh, we can start all over. And I can be gentle because I understand where you're coming from and I understand where I would love to see you be uh, as you receive the gifts of our Savior. Um, but that that just simple word just kind of, in, in my Bible, I just double underlined it and circled it because that is what a beautiful thing that in God's wisdom, you're reasonable. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, I, I think we have to make a distinction between reasonable and common sense because isn't it everyone thinks they have the common sense and everybody else is unreasonable or everyone else doesn't have it. Um, and this is the reason, this is like you were saying, the Christian who is um, is brought into Christ through the means of grace is going to see things for how they really are. They're going to see sin and grace. They're going to see the the idea that they can't save themselves. There's nothing they can do. They're looking at themselves honestly and saying, this this person deserves eternal death because of their sin. And looking at it from God's perspective, that's the reasonableness of it, of God looking at the world and saying, this is a sin and that is a sin. And here is the, the chief of sinners, Jesus Christ, who lived and died for you. And because he uh, died on the cross, therefore all these other people, I'm going to make that declaration the unreasonable, I guess, in, in a certain sense, declaration that the rest of the world is now um, forgiven and righteous in his sight. So just the reasonable meaning from God's worldview, God's reason, not from a, uh, a standpoint of common sense and not common sense, because to be honest, we nobody, everyone thinks they have common sense and everyone thinks those who disagree with them don't have it. Uh, the problem is, is that we're all unreasonable. We're not seeing things clearly. We don't see ourselves clearly. We don't see other people clearly, but only through the working of God and his Holy Spirit working through the means of grace do we see things clearly, that we actually see things according to God's reason rather than our own. Uh, and, and But that reason, it goes beyond just seeing things in, in the way that God sees things, um, but it also is understanding. That reasonableness also goes into the understanding of saying, I get the struggle, right? When, when, when I see an unbeliever do sinful things, I get the struggle. I, I, I get it. Uh, and even when I see a believer struggling with a sin, I get it. There, there's a reasonableness that, that comes with understanding God's word. Uh, you, you go to Paul. Paul understood the reasonableness. I, I, am, I am the worst of sinners. I mean, he's Paul. But yet, he he understood. I, I can't be the one casting stones here. I can say what God says, and then I can say I'm right there with you, and, and I struggle with this. And 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 how awesome is that? That we and I've heard you say it in sermons, and I hope you've heard me say it in sermons. I mean, you don't listen to my sermons um, as much well, as I listen to yours. If you had it, like if you had a playlist on your YouTube of just Will Harley sermons, I would. Well, I mean, it's just I, I search your stuff out because I I need a pastor to preach to me, and I have chosen you to be that well, pastor to preach well, to the, me. the church has chosen oh. me, <laughs> not you. <laughs> um, chosen, said, Will Hartley, uh, this this guy here is your pastor. <laughs> and you're, and you're, Will Hartley's like, really? Preach <laughs> <laughs> you someone else. <laughs> no, you are the circuit pastor, so I do listen to you. Um, and I, I listen to your But what I'm saying is, is I've heard in your sermons, you know, you don't stand above and say that this has not applied to me. Um, you know, when, when we preach when we preach the law to our people, 
as much as when we preach the gospel to our people, um, yeah. we are there with them. We're, we're standing not separated from them, pointing down at them and saying, shame on you. This is what you've done. We are standing with them saying, I'm, I'm right there with you. I struggle with this too in different ways and, and maybe in different veins, but the struggle is real and, and there's a reasonable, I, I get it and I'm going to fall and I'm going to fail and I'm not going to do this perfectly, um, but we're going to do it together in Christ and, and we, we are going to, we're going to move forward. Um, so there's that reasonableness that comes from the cross of Christ that can see people who that where they are, how they are, and, and also kind of understand their struggle. I think. I, I agree. Uh, and I just to, just to make sure this is clear, I have seen you and heard you say, I struggle with this too in a, in a sermon. So. Yeah. So more <clears throat> Christ, more, more strength from Christ. Um, Let's harvest some righteousness, right? Let's practice some peace. Practice uh, some peace. Practice some peace. Yeah. Hearing, hearing the means. I, I kind of, I like that picture. Practicing pre- peace. How, how is it that one practices peace? Is the realization of uh, how do we get peace? How do we get that shalom? Uh, is it's only through the the means of grace by thinking of confession, absolution, confessing our sins, and receiving His forgiveness. We get that in the corporate sense and in worship on Sunday, but that's not the only uh, tools that our parishioners disposal they can talk to their pastor personally which is a, let's 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 be honest it's a practice that isn't pr- practiced much in our wealth circles um but it is so as an individual who's who's received that absolution from another person an actual live human being when you actually confess the things that are burdening your heart yeah it's it's very cleansing to be able to be in a corporate setting and to think about your sins and and to, and then recognize that in in this called servant who's standing before you you're hearing a pronouncement about those very things you're thinking about that uh, he may not know but he is standing in god's place but god knows and god sends that person to send to tell you what he's about to say right but also the the advantage of being and talking to your pastor unburdening yourself of that sin so that he, he might also practice peace to you uh that would um provide so much relief and then also comfort and then also strength to 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 engage again with that sinful nature engage with that sinful nature as we speak engage with that sinful nature as we as we think well and and that's going to that that actually is a really good segue into what the conversation next week's going to be because you know, we we brought up there's a difference between the the wisdom of the world and the wisdom that comes from our Lord and Savior and the practicing of peace that flows from our Savior into the world. Um, and and now he's going to bring up and he say, this is how drastically different because that practice of peace that you get to do is not what the world is engaging with. Um, but that's next week. So. I'll read ahead if you you really want to know, um, but if you want to wait for the commentary and the good coffee and jokes, um, join us next week as we uh, real life living faith talking about Jesus, the Book of James.